0: Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we give thanks unto Thee that Thou art on the throne and that Thou art a living God. That we can come to Thee in the confidence that Thou dost not only hear, but answer prayer. That Thy word is truth. Thou hast declared that Thou art our Savior and our Redeemer, our Shield and our Exceeding Great Reward. In this confidence, our Father, we come to Thee to submit ourselves to Thy Word, to the discipline of Thy Holy Spirit, to the care of Thy Providence. Guide us and bless us. Trust us according to thy word, and make us ever faithful in thy service. In Jesus' name, amen. Our scripture today is Psalm 60, the wine of astonishment. Psalm 60, the wine of astonishment. O God, thou hast cast us off, thou hast scattered us, Thou hast been displeased. O turn thyself to us again. Thou hast made the earth to tremble, thou hast broken it, heal the breaches thereof, for it shaketh. Thou hast showed thy people hard thing. Thou hast made us to drink the wine of astonishment. Thou hast given a banner to them that fear thee, that it may be displayed because of the truth. That thy beloved may be delivered, stay with thy right hand and hear thee. Thou hast spoken in his voice. I will rejoice. I will divide Shechem and meet out the valley of Sletcher. Gilead is mine, and Manasseh is mine. Ephraim also is the strength of my head, Judah is my lawgiver. Marab is my washpot; Over Edom will I cast out my shoes. celestialia triumph thou because of me. Who will bring me into the strong city? Who will lead me into Eden? Wilt not thou, O God, which had cast us off, and thou, O God, which didst not go out with our army, give us help from man? From trouble, for vain is the help of man. Through God we shall do valiantly, for He it is that shall press down our enemies. great many people go to the Bible and are continually disappointed because their perspective is humanistic. They go to the Bible expecting a lot of sweet nothing. And they do not find them all. A few years ago, A very prominent woman went through and compiled a shorter Bible made up of the passages which she, from her humanistic perspective, could find inspiring, and she indicated that she struggled hard to find something in every book of the Bible. She came up with a scant 90 or 100 pages in large, tight, wide margins and big spacings. And even then she was misinterpreting and misunderstanding those passages which she found uh, understandable and inspiring from her perspective. For such people, God, if he is admitted into their system, is merely an idea. The idea of the beautiful, the good, the true something to stay up there and be inspiring and otherwise to leave us alone. This is not the living God. God is either merely an idea as he is for most people or he is the living reigning overruling God. He speaks in his God. Verses 6 through 8 are a declaration of God's message through David to Israel. There are no sweet nothing in those three verses. Because Israel faced the catastrophe and God did not tell them, contemplate the beautiful, the true and the good. Or sit in meditation and contemplate your navel and rise above the material things of the world. The living God is a God who acts. And instead of offering dying or spiritual men to nothing, he offers action. This living God speaks to us, us prophetically through Psalm 60, a Psalm of David. The Hebrew superscription calls it a golden or secret or mystery psalm. One of six psalms so titled, Psalms 16, 56, 57, 58, 59, and 60. Psalms which are special and prophetic significance in understanding God's ways, in order to understand this psalm, it is necessary for us to examine its historical situation. Second Samuel eight and first Chronicle eighteen give us the situation and the outcome. David had been newly made king. It had been a long, hard struggle for David, a struggle for survival, in which very few people shared. The nation, by and large, sat it out and was content to be silent under Saul's tyranny. Then David became monarch of the United Kingdom. And the people as a whole, without any sacrifice or any repentance on their part, were moving from tyranny to justice. But suddenly the picture grew totally hopeless. A triple alliance moved against David. Moab, Edom, and Philistia. From the west, from the east, and from the south with Syria in the North becoming involved. Thus they had three armies in the field against them from three directions, with a force planning to move against them from the North. In addition to this triple attack and invasion with the threat of a fourth one, Severe earthquake struck the land and left it. In this situation, David wrote this song. In the first five verses, you have the cry in calamity of the people of Israel. The first result was a defeat for Israel as they met their end. And they cried out, Thou hast scattered or thou hast broken us. They recognized God's sovereign hand and recognized that behind all things stands Almighty God. And so they cried out, Restore us, turn thyself to us again. In verse 2, they fight the earthquake. For at the same time as the invasion and earthquake leveled the land, leaving grave rifts and continual shaking. Thou hast made the earth to tremble. Thou hast broken it. Heal the breaches thereof for shaking. The cities were leveled. People were homeless. Mm. The ground was continually quaking, and grave, wide rifts or breaches were on all sides as men contemplated the total catastrophe, of triple invasion, and this devastating earthquake in fall. Except for the armies in the field, they stand a ruined nation. Then in verse 3, David declares, God has made them to experience hard things. He has given them the wine of astonishment, the wine of staggering to drink. They have been jarred out of their self sufficiency and out of their sense of power. Their only hope is in God. For themselves they have nothing. They are a ruined country. fourth verse David declares that the banner of God's truth and his promises is their one hope and standard they have all the promises of God's word to the repentant and to the trustant. and so on the fifth verse because God had declared previously, call upon me in the day of trouble, they now take him at his word At this point, God answers David and speaks to him. Verses 6 to 8. Verses 6 and 7, God declares, I will rejoice, I will divide Shechem, and meet out the valley of suckers. Gilead is mine, and Manasseh is mine. Ephraim also is the strength of mine head. Judah is my lawgiver. Strange assertion, is it not? But God in answering dealt not with the present, but pointed to the past. And the significance of his declaration was that it took them back to the time when Jacob, having left, Chaldea returned to Tabitha. And before he went in, God declared unto him that he was going in, although fearful of his life and in danger of being killed. one to whom the land would be given and to his generations after him. Every place his foot set upon should be his, and his children's children as long as they were faithful to him. As long as they believed and as long as they obeyed, the land was theirs. reminds them of Cleppas, where Jacob stayed before crossing Jordan on the return, and of Shechem, where Jacob stayed on his return after crossing the Jordan, and of Gilead and Manasseh, the east Jordan area, and Ephraim, the west Jordan area to the north, and Judah, the west Jordan area to the These things God gave to Jacob and to his sons on condition of their faith and obedience. And by this God declared that he will only defend what is his own and what acknowledges him. Only those who acknowledge God's absolute power and sovereignty For none else can claim his care. These things are mine, says the Lord. The earth is mine and the fullness thereof. And I give to whom I will. And they retain it only upon obedience to me. Second God in the concluding verse. The eighth verse. To the enemies of Israel. Moab is my wash Over Edom will I cast out my shoe. Belizea, cryst thou because of me. A magnificent verse. This is simply an old fashioned washout, a war talk. a war chant of absolute contempt for one's enemy. God declares that those who are his slaves and servants, he saves and exalts, but his enemies he abases. Moab declares, God is my wash or washbasin, the kind of slave used to wash his master's feet. God says I will wipe my feet on Moab Moab was located in the area adjacent to the Dead Sea and God says Moab is simply a wash basin on whom I will wash my feet over Edom I will cast out my shoes or on Edom I throw my shoes. Edom is my shoe shine boy and slave. And so when I come in as the conqueror, I toss my shoes to him and say, take care of them, boy. A most significant declaration because Edom claimed to be the chosen people of God. Edom was the elder son, Esau. Isaac, and claimed the right by blood to declare itself to be the chosen people of God. The passing one's shoes, as Ruth 4, verses 7 through 9, and other passages make clear, was significant and symbolic of disinheritance. God declares, Edom is disinherited and is simply my slave. Philistia, triumph thou because of me. Tender me your shaft. Shout allegiance at my order. Hail me the conqueror. This is God's separation. With this, David then continues in verses 9 through 12, as they march into battle. Battles that ended in a most significant victory, with 12,000 Edomites slain in the battle of the Valley of Salt alone. The fortified city, the strong city must be taken. Who will bring me into it, into Edom and to Petra? It is God, declares David, who cast us off because of our self confidence, because of our trust in ourselves rather than in God. Man's health is vain. but God's health. His omnipotent help. With God we shall do valiantly. For he it is that shall tread down our enemies. Treading or trampling was an emblem of violent subjection. This is God's answer not an answer sweet and noble thought. There are many false religions abroad that give you reams and reams of literature filled with sweet nothing, noble thoughts, noble ideas that amount to nothing. But this is the God who we prize by fire, to prepare. This is the God whose answer to David is not sweet nothing, but the assurance that if they stand in terms of him, their enemies shall be used by God as his slaves and his watch face. This then is the mystery psalm of David, the psalm that speaks concerning the mystery of history. That declares its secret. And it speaks to us of the frustration of the ungodly. Whenever outwardly they seem to be at the point of triumph, God destroys them. Or he protects his own. How clearly it seemed impossible to the enemies of Israel. Now that they were attacking Israel from four sides. And a severe earthquake had laid waste the cities and left the ground trembling and with deep till we in it. How impossible it seemed to them that Israel could be destroyed. The if they were. And how impossible it seemed to Herod as he sent his troops into Bethlehem and into these regions thereabouts to kill all children two years old and younger. That the Christ child could survive. But he did. And how impossible it seemed to the Sanhedrin as they crucified Christ and mocked him. That this one should be their judge and destroyer. When he rose again from the dead, but he did, and Jerusalem was destroyed, with not one stone left standing upon another. The frustration of the ungodly is declared But more than that there are basements and defeat. For the enemies of God, this psalm declares, shall be destroyed. The first two enemies cited, Moab and Edom, have a significance in scripture, a typical, symbolic significance. These two were related people. They spoke almost the same language as the people of Israel. They claim to be the true chosen people, and we know that the Herods, for example, claim to be the messianic line. more than one Herod claims to be the true messiah, so they stand for those who in every age claim to be the true people of God, but are not. For theirs is only an outward claim of blood or of form, as it is of Jews and of modernists and unbelievers who are within the church. For as Paul says, the true sons of Abraham are those who share his faith. And so God declares, this is the destiny of the false church, of the outward church, of those who claim outwardly to be the chosen people of God. And Philistia was the great open enemy of the people of God for centuries. And God says to us in this song, One of the mystery psalms or secret psalms that reveals history. God says to us in this psalm that the enemies of the people of God within and without. God shall destroy. He summons us to remember. That when we walk by faith. We inherit the earth. The ground we tread upon. He gives to us. God humbles these people and rejoices. And he compels even Felicia to shout, Hail to the conqueror. He expects us to rejoice also. We are not to be praised and victims of the heresy of love. For as we have seen previously... According to the scripture, we are indeed to love our neighbor and our enemy, and we are to give to them the requirements of the second table of the law to respect their right to life, home, property, and reputation in word, prompt, and deceit. And we are not to rejoice over our enemies, that he as we are to rejoice over the fall of God's enemies. David elsewhere declares, "Do I not hate them that hate thee? Yea, I hate them with a perfect hatred." And God rejoices at the downfall of his enemies, which he decrees. And he summons us to rejoice also. For he is the living, reigning, overruling God. And we are to rejoice in his handiwork. When men are guilty of high-handed evil striking at God's law, God moves against them in judgment. And rejoices as he defeats them. And we are required to rejoice with him. Therefore, as we face the world not unlike daily, and as we face the threat of the enemies within and without, this song speaks. And its declaration is very simple. First, prepare for God's victory. Second, rejoice in God's victory. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we thank Thee that Thy word unto us It's not the sweet nothings of humanism, but the word of the living God. And we thank thee that thy word is truth. That Moab, Edom, and Philistia are now dust and ashes, only a memory. And the enemies that confront us today shall soon only be a memory. For thou, Lord, art the living God. Thou shalt make of them thy wash thy slaves, and thy conquered people. We must hail. Give us faith, therefore, to prepare for thy victory and to rejoice therein. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we have any questions, I promise to give you the information on the book on the healing of tongues and the modern tongues movement, and the title of it is, The Modern Tongues and Healing Movement. The Modern Tongues and Healing Movement, by Dr. Carroll, two R's and two L's. R Segal S T E G A L L junior PO box 1203 Fort Walton Beach Fort Walton W-A-L-T-O-N Beach Florida and the price is A dollar a copy, and I think you will find it worthwhile. Then another item that I think is of interest, a new book on the new evangelicals, Willie Graham, Christianity Today, Fuller Seminary, and the like, Biblical Separation Defined by Gary G. Cohen. Published by Presbyterian and Reform Publishing Company. Just newly published, *The dollar and the half. This can be ordered from Presbyterian and Reform Publishing Company, Order Department, Box 185, Nutley, New Jersey. In that connection, with respect to Billy Graham, I think it is a Interest to remember briefly that I cited this National Council study book for their triennial convention this December in Miami for the World by Colin Williams, a booklet which calls for a world revolution as the gospel and declares that the family, like the tribe, is something that belongs to the past, we must prepare for a new morality. Well, it is significant that the main speaker at this December meeting which will adopt this program is Billy Gray. This is known as compromise. Are there any questions now?
1: Yeah. Uh, Where a uh young people came up i on television all this? we I don't know what and you saw it, done, it yeah. mm-hmm. it's done by a small young ones, uh, with people very mm-hmm. and very humanistic. It has uh, Pat Boone, James, John Wayne, and Dustin uh, Disney, and it sponsored by Patrick Berling, <laughs> oh, a racist me. Mm-hmm. And I have a those are sporting seminars. I wonder if you had a comment on Tomorrow leon.
0: So, moral rearmament is moral disarmament. It is anti Christian to the core. It's basic basis of one world religion. So this in the world. This
1: in the world. Yes. No,
0: that fits in with moral rearmament. It is patriotic in every country because it believes in one worldism. And its attitude is, encourage every people to love their country, but also to love now, every other country as well. Because they want the one world order and the one world religion, basically.
1: They had a song about John so
2: Mark. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. The religion to this world And i my well, doesn't Bob tell us to be brothers and watch for each other? Now, I couldn't answer this clearly when making this point. And uh, apparently, Bob does tell us to help our brothers and try to understand
0: Yes, but the Bible also defines who our brothers are. They are our fellow believers. We are never told that the ungodly are our brothers. In other words, there is a special kind of relationship with our fellow believers. And our Lord said that he was closer to those who were believers than to his own family, because at the moment that he made that statement, his family His mother and brethren and sisters were not believers. And so he declared, They are not my family. Those who believe in me and who hear me are my family. Now we are to be charitable and law abiding in our relationship to the world that we cannot speak of the brotherhood of man. This is not at all biblical. It is anti biblical. You hear all kinds of weird things about what is in the Bible, uh, things that are never there. And amazingly, the other day I ran across the same thing with regard to the Constitution by a National Council of Churches writer. He spoke, uh, very feelingly about the great passage in the Constitution which speaks about equality and that all men are created equal. Well, there's not a word of that in the Constitution. He hasn't bothered to read it. Yes, it's in the Declaration of Independence, and it was taken from the Virginia Bill of Rights, and in its meaning, as it was intended in both documents, It was speaking, in particular, of those who were citizens of the country, so we cannot put a universal construction on it. They didn't at the time, because they certainly didn't include the Negroes, and they didn't even count them as citizens or as anything but property. So you can't give a meaning to the word that they did not, at that time, put upon it.
2: So, uh, you follow along with this, brother, are we not advised on missionaries, uh, obviously, or we assume that send to a foreign country, particularly among feminist people, there was not a heard of at least the Christian word, right? Uh, yes, we
0: are summoned to carry the gospel to all people. But this is another thing than counting them as brothers. We are offering them the opportunity to become brothers with us in Christ, but we know that they are actually our enemies until they are converted. Because they hate God and they hate us. And this is the reality that you have to face when... You deal with unregenerate people. Because we have become so humanistic that we don't want to face the truth about man. And we fail to realize that the peoples of the world are not like us. We have, even our unbelievers in our midst have in their background centuries of Christianity and have grown up in a Christian culture and a Christian environment. But I think if I began to tell you some of the ordinary facts of life which is the tourists don't see, but which we find in anthropological books, many of which are under lock and key at the university Library. About some of these people, all of you would become so offended you would never return. But these people are moral monsters because they are unregenerate. They hate God. They hate everything that you and I consider as decency. And this is bred in them from countless generations back. These people are not our brothers. But we hope by the grace of God they will become brothers and we extend to them the gospel. I would say these people who talk most about brotherhood are usually those who haven't least, And that's why I was delighted uh, just recently when George Crocker dealt with his liberal double talk in one of his columns. How many of you saw that column? Well, I think I'll read it because it is choice. This is George Crocker's column for May the 22nd, in the Examiner, Sunday Examiner, once a week, his column appears. Prejudice? Not at all. Why, some of my best friends are liberals. I mean, they talk liberalism. I mean, I am invited to dinner parties at which charming people certify their own credentials as liberals. This is done by dropping into the conversation with stock cliches about ghettos and by going on record in favor of forced integration of public schools in residential areas. There was a gentleman who was sitting at cocktail and munching hors d'oeuvres as he expounded on the need to close the cultural gap. Integrated housing was the answer, he thought. If different races live in the same block or apartment house, they will observe how others deport themselves and all inequalities will tend to disappear. You have a good idea there, I said. Think of all the people who could benefit by watching how you and your family deport themselves. What a shame that your home is tucked away in Hillsboro. Now, Bill, I nominate you to lead the way. He glared at me as though I had struck a low blow. There was a lady at my right at dinner who spent the entire college course telling me about an article she had read. The author, a sociologist, had explained why the pastoral segregation in the school must cease. In a mixed classroom, the less bright children are stimulated by the bright ones, but the latter are not slowed down at all. The culturally deprived ones, who is term not mine, acquire better habits by emulating the ones from better homes. But the latter are not led into worse habits by associating every day with the farmer. Psychology has discovered this, she informed me. Yes, yes, I said I am familiar with the theory. She was chewing the piece of dolphin and My tone seemed distant her. The temple of chewing decelerated. Then stopped. You did, she asked. Tell me, I replied, don't you think the theory should be tested by the people who not by people who don't believe in them? He put her fork down. Now I know what you're getting at. Yes, we do send our son to a private school. We can afford it, and well I don't say it because I'm the mother, because the pediatrician has said it from the first. Our son has an unusually quick mind, and he should have special attention. And, well, we believe in integration and all that, but no need to explain, I told her. The Kennedys never do, nor the Roosevelt, the Stransons, the Lindseys, nor a thousand other rich liberal fans I could name. I was mistaken. Lindsey has been smoked out of the bushes. Last month, a hacker asked, Why do you send your four children to private schools instead of New York public schools? The chairman quickly adjourned the meeting. Last Sunday, Lindsay was ready when the question came on TV. Because he is mayor, he said he wants his children to have the highest degree of privacy. He neglected to mention his children went to private schools before he was mayor, too. The sociologist's theory is being tested in this country, but not on the children of the Lindsays or of any of the wealthy liberals I know, which I think is well put.
2: Mm-hmm. In fact, the world regardless of this one in uh, about a year or so ago, uh, they played full cage jazz here in Los Angeles. Most people who were probably residents at the time. As they remember they were trying to join up the communist uh, philosophy for America They were advocating one, uh when it was the first or the physical world government. Yes, but this is not new.
0: Uh, Buffman, the founder, was trying to get Stalin and, uh, Roosevelt and everybody else together in the 30s. So this is simply an old strategy of approaching everyone and saying, uh, let us all unite. Our differences are not important. In other words, the condition of union is simply the condition of being human. which is a weird basis. The lowest common denominator. It also involves compromising work, and can't compromise the
2: truth. Yeah.
0: Any other questions?
1: Yeah. You um, told upon the
0: that yes. I believe that Christ never did say, I am my brother's keeper. this thing that is over and over and This is the answer to Christ's statement, I am my brother's keeper. Our Lord never said, I am my brother's keeper. The only appearance of anything resembling that in the Bible is in Genesis 1 king says to God, am I my brother's keeper? And it's fantastic that people insist that this is in the Bible. Yes, but it is not in the Bible. It is a question raised by Cain, Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: every Cain in history is either said, I am my brother's keeper, or treated his brother as though he were inferior and needed a keeper, but he wasn't interested in doing it. In either case, it is treating your brother or your neighbor or enemy as an inferior. Now, let's examine that question as these liberals use it. I am my brother's keeper you are immediately saying your brother needs a keeper and you are the elite. So it is a denial of the very equality they affirm. It's like Orwell's Animal Farm in which they have a revolution to establish equality, but a little later uh, they say some uh, animals are more equal than others. Well, these people say we are more equal than others. In other words, we are the superior ones. We are the elite. And because we are our brother's keeper, we have the right to keep it. So this becomes a justification for ruling the rest of us for their welfare. It's a thoroughly demonic assertion. The next time anyone says that, just, Challenge them to find it, and uh, tell them it isn't there, and they are liars if they claim it is, or fools to believe that it is in the Bible. I just
1: thought, written up. I didn't hear
0: it. Mm. It's often said, too. Yes. Uh,
1: can you tell me where, or tell me where, People get the idea that they will say, "Granted, uh, not in Christ are white." Now, then after that, they were not white. Was it because of those days were people of uh, their skin, the different color, or something? The reason I ask is uh, this is an older man is saying this. That uh,
2: sure, Christ is but
1: beyond that, all of your people came from Israel Now this is. Uh, they about so much and you your, your mm-hmm. Yes. And this older man he's getting up this little man and he's trying to see all the Bible from beginning to end. But where does this where does that thought come
0: from? I don't Hit the, uh, well, he said Cain's
1: wife was from the land of Nod, which was a Negro country, and so all Cain's children were Negro. And Noah's wife was a Negro, and all of all Noah's three sons were Negro, and they all had Negro wives, and so we're all descended from Negro. You know, that's theory. Well, I guess, the, the Bible,
0: says the Bible doesn't say a thing. It doesn't <laughs> say that Cain got his wife from the land of Nod, or any such thing.
1: Well, I couldn't find it. I was sent that, <laughs> and I was a favorite <laughs> in their own garden. I think
0: the answer to this is Solomon's answer, answer not a fool in his folly. Because if we spend all our time answering all the nonsense that people talk about, we won't have time uh, for the but truth. But there is a
1: flight. an old and white man, Solomon's foul. That says the very same thing. He goes on the same theory. Now, i heard him uh, on TV two or three different
0: times. Well, it just goes to show you what TV has become. <laughs> well, you know, it's confusing,
1: essentially, the people uh, that don't
0: go back and try to find it in the Bible. Yes, but yeah. the point is... uh People believe what they want to believe. And people who are ready to believe nonsense like that without going to the Bible are not really interested in knowing the truth about the Bible. So that there are always, the Bible says, itching ears that are hungry for every kind of nonsense. So I wouldn't worry about that sort of thing and who no, believes so it. Well, I said, I can't find it in the Bible. I said, I don't know the Bible too. well, I said, I'm things. I think that it would
1: be if it was going to be in the Bible. And I said, I can't find it. Yes, and tell them that they are foolish to believe such nonsense. Well, this has been
0: going on for a number of years. Yes, Mm -hmm. well, that's true, but you see, there, there's a lot of nonsense going around, and some of it very, very extensive, but we shouldn't waste our time, and people who do believe that, we shouldn't bother with that. Now, there are people, and this is very widespread, in case you haven't encountered it, who believe that the earth is hollow, and there is a civilization living deep down inside the earth, and Admiral Byrd supposedly discovered it, and this is all classified knowledge. Of course, this first, uh, came up about oh I think in the 1880s or 90s was the first time this was propounded only then the opening was up in the North Pole in the newer version that's going around the opening is at the South Pole. and you'd be surprised how many fools they find who are ready to go along with that and, uh, anyone who wants to believe it is the uh, my answer is, get out from their presence as fast as you can, because they're a fool. And you can't rub against pitch without getting tarred. And you can't involve yourself with a, with, a fool without becoming, with a fool without becoming foolish. So leave fools alone. It just gets you involved in all kinds of nonsense. And I know. I I insult them. That's what I do. <laughs> that takes care of it. They don't bother
1: me. <laughs> I know.
0: I, for a long time, I was the soul of courtesy. But uh, I found that it didn't work. They only kept taking advantage of me by the hour. And the more courteous I was, the more I... Was imposed on, so I thought uh, if this is what courtesy produces, then uh, there should be some plain speaking, so I fell them off. And uh, it
1: worked. <laughs> well, I thought it was other stuff that said it worked, but uh, I, I don't know why I should not be too good about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah.
2: Smart use the opponent's tactics and just say in the Bible? Yes. yes. Tell me what page, what chapter, what book. Right. I put them on
0: the podcast. Yes, except that I've found too, with some, they'll pick up a passage, which doesn't mean anything like that, and prove uh, to their satisfaction that it means what they say. If you run across some weird ones sometimes, and I, I just have no patience for them anymore. I wore out my patience about ten years ago. <laughs> yes.
2: Sometimes, however, you get against a clever one, and the argument is very pernicious in <clears throat> that uh, it's a leading uh, question, uh, leading nonsense to some other type of person, but sometimes they use it. Because uh, for instance, our British Israel friends, uh, in quotes, stumble over this one and they try uh, with all the to prove that uh, God and Christ were white, because their point is that uh, you're born into the kingdom of Israel if you're a white man, or well, you're just dead as if you're black man's argument. Mm-hmm. And so if you stumble into this thing and uh, they don't come up with the right answer, you're wrong. I do you get this prove
0: I never waste time on any British Israelites because anyone who believes such nonsense is not going to believe the truth. They are psychologically, mentally, emotionally, morally geared to believing a lie. And you can only hope that God will show some of them because there are few of good sense among them out of it eventually. But most of them they're not worth wasting time on. That's my attitude. Because when a person can go to the Word of God, which proclaims the truth of God and the saving power of God, and read such nonsense out of it, write them off. And I think that does them the most damage, really. I know that in uh, New Orleans, I ran across one... Such woman who had terrorized a number of the groups because she was the wife of one of the most prominent citizens of New Orleans and I understand quite a headache to her husband who doesn't share her ideas and she was uncouth in the way she kept bringing up her British Israel items into the discussion at every point so i finally told her i said i think your line of reasoning is stupid it is impossible intellectually no intelligent person can hold it and i have no intention of answering any question you raise from now on out well it cleared the air Although it certainly didn't improve her disposition, but she
1: shut up. <laughs> yes. Uh, you mentioned the word Petra in connection with Edom, and it isn't in the description. Are those interchangeable? What is it? A few yeah. years ago, I remember Dr. Talbot talking about Petra, and, and wasn't that in the frame of something from Yes, yeah.
0: Petra is the capital city of Eden. And sometimes it's used as synonymous with uh, Edom, as sometimes we speak of uh, Moscow, this and that, and London, this and that. But Petra was the capital, and those of you who've seen pictures of it know what a remarkable city it was, because the uh, major buildings of Petra, which was located in the canyons surrounded by uh, sharp cliffs on all sides were carved right out of the mountain, And so uh, the uh, treasury uh, building and the other buildings are simply a part of the mountain. Just as Mount Rushmore, you have the statues carved out of the rock of the mountain. Here and huge buildings were carved out. It's an amazing city. I'll we'll have to
1: look that up again. Is there something in prophetic uh, things about the
0: No. Temple?
1: No. Well, did they excavated it with that. Yes. yes.
0: The significance of Moab in Scripture and of Eden is uh, indicated. They represent those who are outwardly within the church but are not of the church, who claim to be the church, as it were so that Ezekiel does deal with them in that sense Ezekiel in particular but uh, Edom is around us today the National Council of Churches is one branch of Edom and those bishops like Pike who claim to have the apostolic succession and therefore they are true bishops of God they are Edomites Did they know what they were talking about in the column a Yes. They would reject it totally, but they would know what I was talking about. Uh, you mentioned
2: Petra and the buildings were carved out, which were used as official buildings, and all of the things
1: that I've read, which is not very much, they
0: were described as tombs. No, these were uh, official buildings of temple, treasury, and other buildings. Huge things, the whole mountainside, the whole cliff. The
1: of the last year, yeah. mm-hmm.
0: It was once very uh rich country, a country of vineyards, but it's now barren and desert.
1: Yes. Yeah. Um very nice talking about is there any kind uh, of connection between
0: Morrism and the Christian criticalized and in their um, view of being children people? Yes, a great deal of uh, parallelism. You might say that on this uh three
1: uh
0: prong fork of Zionism British Israelism and pre-millennialism, Mormonism could be a fourth prompt because it's a parallel doctrine and very very definitely a dangerous one it is a totalitarian kind of system it believes of course that uh, there is going to be a messianic kingdom with its capital at Independence Missouri Harry Truman's town and that all of us are going to be slaves to the Mormons in that day. Mormons have always, from the beginning, worked for power on both sides of everything so that they have always been prominent in both parties and in both liberal and conservative circles so that it is easy to find prominent Mormons on the liberal side and prominent Mormons on the conservative side. This is a strategy of power, I believe. And there's a long history of it, and it's something to beware of. You
1: think it's David's in the of Morris there's one running
0: there and two the left
1: and <laughs> What's his name? Hey, hey.
0: I don't know him. I've you known know, very long. few Mormons that I felt I just uh, have any confidence in. By and large, having lived in Mormon country in Nevada, I have a deep suspicion of them, as almost anyone who's lived in Mormon country does have. I'm just
1: going to ask that, too, in regards to people that you run the office. Uh, some people would say, well, let's go and by asking their religion law, you, know, you know, but again,
2: it's quite important because terms uh, you know, their background and what they believe in. It. Naturally, it's going to come out in, if they are in that so. A specific case in point that what you brought out about uh, Mormonism would be the gentleman under etherers ascension. Who, one at the same time, was very intellectual with Robert Welch, at the other time, in 1950 51, was the director of the
1: American Institute of Cooperation, which
0: is the American body of the uh, socialist cooperative structure of the world. Mm-hmm. Well, our time is up. I'd like, by way of conclusion, simply to call this little book to your attention Past the Poverty Flea by Patty Newman and George Wayne. If you want to have a good analysis of what's going on today, as well as something of the fearful immorality of our present domestic policies, I would say this book is almost without equal.